What is going on, folks? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pit Podcast, your daily podcast covering the Pittsburgh Panthers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And folks, I am your host, Nick Faribault. As always, today we have a loaded episode of the Locked On Pit Podcast coming up. Basketball, basketball, basketball. Today, John Hughley says he is staying. We will talk about that. We will talk about Heather Likes comments on Jeff Capel. Obviously, Pitt losing Ithiel Hort to the portal as well three really big storylines in the basketball program right now a lot going on for Jeff Capel and staff as they reach out to a ton of transfer targets as well we'll talk about it we'll try to dissect everything down here in this episode of Locked on Pit and see where this is going thus far it's all coming up on Locked on Pit our Locked On Pit, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast, folks. As always, thank you for making the Locked On Pit Podcast your first listen every day. If you are listening to this, make sure to like, comment, subscribe. If you are watching this as well, turn on that notification bell. Make sure to leave a review, give feedback, do all that great stuff. It cannot make this as good as possible without the feedback from all of you. And folks, today's episode of Locked On Pit is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And folks, again, a lot of uh, things going on here in the land of Pitt men's basketball. A ton of things. And a significant transfer at Ideal Horton is out. Heather Lake finally commented on a lot of stuff. You have Pitt reaching out to, it seems like, every single guy that's going to enter the portal. And then, on top of it, you have John Hughley saying he will come back. And I think, you know, to put everything into perspective, let's start there. I think that's the important, one of the important things to at least start with. Because the whole offseason revolves around that one dude, right? Like, you are not going to do anything else without first getting the base block up. And the base block was your star. It was your star last year. It's the guy you have faith in moving forward that he can be the guy, if you are going to rekindle this thing, if you are going to be really elevating this, if you are going to have that miracle season where you turn this thing around and Jeff Capel does indeed make the tournament, the first step had to be getting John Hughley back. There was no ands, if or buts about that. If Hughley wasn't coming back, what was the point of another season? He's one of the best big men in the ACC. He is what you sell everyone in the portal on. Hey, listen, I get it. You're losing a top shooter. You're losing a lot of guys. But who could you sell? Is there a player that could be an attractive option for someone to come play with and say, yeah, you know, I, I, if I want to win, I, I there's the piece right there. They have a guy. And it's John Hughley. Hughley's paint presence is amazing. His physicality. The guy is an absolute tank. 
His usage rate probably should go down a little bit, but he showed you what he can do. Going up against guys like Armando Baycott and playing well, a consistent factor in every game, putting up multiple double doubles over the season, a free throw machine. There's a lot that goes with John Hughley and a lot of good that goes with John Hughley. And so when you look at, at him coming back, obviously it's huge. Because again, if you are trying to get someone like, say, Nellie Cummings to come to Pitt, if you are trying to get someone like a Jason Roche or a Hayden Brown, these are all guys Pitt has reached out to, right? To come to Pitt, it doesn't really matter what position they play. It, that, you're going to sell them on, hey, I'm going to play you with this guy. If you're another big, okay, you're going to have less pressure on you because there's that guy right there that has a ton of gravity and teams are going to really focus on him. We have a true get player that is essentially was a freshman last year. His first full season of college basketball, and he was one of the best big men in the ACC. And he still has upside. He still can create a jump shot. He has a jump shot that's working better. He still has court vision that's going to improve. So his passing ability can improve, and it improved over the year. He still got room to improve. We're talking about at his ceiling, John Hughley could be one of those guys that is a first-team All-ACC player. That's the type of guy that they have, and so they can sell that on him. He could take a leap next year, and John Hughley could be the even better version of what he was this year. They have a very, very, very special player, potentially John Hughley. So this was the first step. And again, base requirements. The, the, the team still looks bad. The only three guaranteed guys that are 100% going to be back at this point are Burton, Sabandi, and Hughley now. But you, there, you could start your base with worse players. You get a really dominant post player. You have a pretty solid combo guard in Jamaris Burton who can handle the ball, has a good mid-range jumper, really good free-throw shooter, good leader, vocal, good defender, especially in transition. And then you also have Mikey Sabandi, who's an explosive athlete that can create off dribble, that can shoot three a little bit, and can do a lot of good things for you. So, yeah, you need a lot more. And that now brings me to Ithiel Horton. And I think this is the next kind of mesh to the equation. You know, losing guys like him is not ideal. But you at least have this starting nucleus of Hughley, Sabandi, and Burton that are at least three ACC level players. You got to start somewhere. And those three guys, no matter what team you're putting together are going to be significant contributors, where that's off the bench, where that's actually in the starting lineup. I think Sabandi can be a legitimate ACC starter on a good team. So you might have two legit guys. So again, you can start with a lot worse if those are your three. And maybe you can count in later in the offseason. We find he's staying. Maybe you can count in Femi Cali in this equation. And then you'd have four guys. But there's nothing certain around that. And again, getting a lot of contributors still. And Ithiel Horton transferring is going to change that a little bit. We'll get into those dynamics a little bit more once I, you know, we talk about Horton specifically. But at the very least, you have two solid guards in your backcourt, and you have a really dominant 
post player in your front court. Granted, he's really your only front court player, but it's better to have John Hughley. And that was the fear. If you lost John Hughley again, what was the point of even bringing Capel back? It made almost no sense at that point. It really didn't. Because the guy's such a dominant player that if you lost him, you're not going to replace him, let alone, you know, it's hard enough to replace Mogi. And we talked about that. You're going to essentially have to replace Mogi with two players. And you were already going to need a point guard regardless. So how are you going to replace Hughley in his post presence? You probably weren't. So big time stuff for him to come back. Really, really big at the very least for a baseline start. If this thing's going to happen, if this special season's going to happen where Capel saves his job in 2022-23, the first prerequisite to the entire thing, if you had a checklist on your first, if you had a checklist of like 20, 25 things, and you probably could, if you're Jeff Capel, you could have a checklist of a lot of things, probably even more than that. The very first one, number one, that you would have circled with red pen 20 times, John Hughley comes back at all costs. And he did. So at the very first step, good for Pitt and Jeff Capel. They needed that. It was an infusion of positive energy into the program that unfortunately was later subverted by a pretty cynical negative factor today with the transfer of the Horton. We will talk about that. But first, folks, let me let you know about Stat Hero because did anyone take St. Peter's and now your bracket's actually not busted? Yeah, I don't think you did, but neither did I. But listen, you can still get cash from my Stat Hero pickup. If you haven't checked out this new platform, you're really missing out. Stat Hero's got NCAA single game pickups for all star players, as well as they pit each other against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. Take control back from those handicappers that always seem to have the advantage. Stop focusing on the players you know best and with a gameplay that doesn't rely on big spreads, long odds, or funky props. Stat Hero gives you the advantage, resulting in gamers winning four times more often. Why? Because Stat Hero eliminates the mystery about who or what you are going up against. In addition to their pick'em games, they also have dozens of lines you can comb through to take on head-to-head. They simply post sets of players you take on with a set of players you choose. Stat Hero is the easiest and fastest way to get your sports action fix. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on. Use the promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash locked on. Use the promo code locked on for a 100% match. Stathero.com slash locked on promo code locked on terms and conditions apply. On Pit Podcast, folks, we continue to talk about Pit men's basketball here today and what is a whirlwind of a week so far for that program between John Hughley returning and then, of course, today the news of Ithiel Horton transferring out as well. And this was something that I, I think touching base on, it's very important to understand that this is probably coming. And, you know, there's a few reasons as to why that is. You know, Horton, he he obviously had the playing time factor. He was the only dang shooter on the team. But he came back from that suspension and, you know, never seemed right. Whether that was a disconnect with the city or, or whatever happened. 
he seemed amped up to play basketball, but the connection wasn't necessarily there. And so Ithiel Horton leaving, the rumors have been swirling for a while. And so it's not surprising. It's not a surprising thing to me that Ithiel Horton's gone and no longer in a Pittman's basketball uniform. That doesn't make it any less of a loss, though. And, and you know, there are going to be people that are going to throw out, oh, man, Ithiel Horton sucked and he wasn't good. This is a loss. Let's put it this way. On a team that had one legitimate shooter, you just lost the one guy. He shot 38% from deep. And, yeah, he might have been a one-trick pony. But, man, that one trick, it's pretty valuable. And when he had that one trick going, he could carry Pitt. I mean, look at the Florida State win they had this year. It was all about him. Without him, they don't win that game. He was that dude in that game. He was the guy that 100% took this the whole way. And so when you look at what he actually brought to the table, you're losing that sharp shooting ability. You're losing that ability to create the three off the dribble, which is something that you needed. He was a shot creator. So now you need shot creators too. You lose your only pure shooting guard on the team. So now you have two combo guards, really. Which is cool. It's good to have combo guards. But you need that pure sharpshooter. And so that's another deal now they need. And so even if Horton was very inconsistent, and and when the three wasn't going, he could be a net negative. And even though the defense that he played was not always top-notch, and and that was a factor for sure, he wasn't really that good on defense. But let's understand what he brings to the table. Ithiel Horton brought shot-creating ability, brought magnetism with his ability to shoot the three. At the very least, even if he was not on, He was always a threat you had to worry about as a team. Because at the very least, Ithiel Horton was confident in his shot. There were nights where he would go 2 of 11 from 3. But it didn't matter how hard on he was. It didn't matter how bad he was that night. This was a dude that when he was on, he was dynamic. And even when he was off, he was going to shoot the rock. And Pitt didn't have enough of that mentality this year. Team guys were passing up open threes, guys were passing up open shots, and they were just passing it around the perimeter. And that's where you saw the lack of ball movement to find guys. They were just standing around, really weren't cutting off the dribble. They weren't cutting off ball. They really weren't doing anything. And so when you look at the things like that, Horton at the very least brought a little bit different and brought something different. And Sabandi also was that type of guy. You know, Nike Sabandi was another guy that's going to just go. And so they lose a guy with that mindset. They lose magnetism to space the floor out a little bit, a catch and shoot three guy from the corner. They lose that. They lose that ability to create off the elbow, create the top of the key to create off dribble from three. There's really not another guy that can do that on the roster. You know, you're not going to get that from Jamari Spurton. Not going to get that from Femi Cali. You can get that from Nike Sabandi, but he's not as good of a shooter as Ithiel Horton is. He's more explosive and he's a better defender. But again, even, even if Horton wasn't a starter on a team, you know, a good team, 
he was going to be a bench piece that you could rely on. And ideally, you would have more shooters than Ithia Horton. This was a roster misconstruction issue. This was bad by Jeff Capel to come into the year and think you only needed that one shooter. That was a mistake. Coming into the year with him being the only sharpshooter on the team, in a league, in a game of basketball that has evolved to become such a three-point-centric game, you need shooters. And so losing the only one to now not having any? Yeah, that's rough. That's rough. And so Pitt now needs multiple shooters. Not one. We talked about the 3 and D wing. They're still going to need that. Ideally, your point guard can shoot a little bit. You're going to need a shooting guard. So two plus shooters. You can make the argument for three. You can make an argument for four. You can make an argument for a lot of shooting being added to this team. They really need it. Otherwise, they're just going to condense the floor and play the post and key in on that. You need some way... If you're building this roster around John Hooley, which you are, because you have to, he is your star, as we said before. You're building this around your star player, right? So you're building this around John Hughley. Well, what are you going to do? What you're going to end up doing is you're 100% going to take what you have and try and give him easier opportunities. One-on-ones in the post. You're going to want to run rams. You're going to want him to back down on the baseline. You're going to want to get him one-on-one cuts off screens. You're going to want to get him all these different movement and actions to where he can take advantage of them. You can't do that without spacing and the shooting. You need shooters. And so they're going to need to get plenty of shooters. They're going to need to get plenty of guys that work in off screens. They're going to need guys that can create their own shot. They're going to need creative ability on the floor, they're going to need offensive rejuvenation from this team. And losing Horton, it hurts. He would have at the very least been a guy in that rotation. Ideally, if you had a top nine on a good team, Horton would have been a part of that. He 100% would have been a part of that. And so losing him, yeah, it's a bummer. It definitely is. Not surprising, but it's a bummer. And so, again, you have a baseline of three guys. It's Hughley, Sabandi, Burt. Build around those three guys, but most notably Hughley. So you have, now you need more shooters. Now you need to add more to the room. You still need a point guard. You still need a four. You still need a backup big. You still need a wing. But you have now enough scholarships to kind of what do whatever you want with the roster. I mean, really, this roster is in flux, and you're rebuilding it again. And again, and it's hard to get the continuity going when you don't have that. And so continuity, it brings me to Heather Likes' comments on continuity. And we're going to talk about her comments a little bit and kind of what I gleaned in from them. Obviously, some of it's just PR and all that. But I think there's a little bit of nuggets in here that we can read on and what her true thoughts are here. However, first, let me let you know about Built Bar. Because, folks, have you ever wanted a protein bar? that tastes good, but also has the health benefits of a protein bar, well, Built Bar has you, especially their signature flavored puffs. Because if you haven't tried them, you are missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, including puffs, 100% real chocolate, but here's the thing. 
Most built bars contain only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and four net carbs while containing 17 grams of protein. So you get the taste of a candy bar while having all the benefits of a traditional protein bar. So go to built.com right now, use the promo code LACT15 and get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LACT15 for 15% off at built.com. talk here about pit men's basketball as they wind into the portal season and gets full go as the sweet 16 will start up as well of course today so plenty of ncaa tournament action for everyone out there but today it is it's interesting because again this is the culmination of all pit basketball news here and this is the episode of lock on pit that i really wanted to dive into this and i really wanted to dive into what heather like said a little bit because I think there's a few perspectives to take from this in talking for 25 minutes with the media about kind of what she said and what went on here. I, it's hard to be upset about what she said. I don't think there's much that is, you know, Oh my goodness. She said that. Can you believe it? She's delusional. Some of the stuff she said in this press conference is tomfoolery, yes. But also, you have to put on the PR glasses, right? Like, you can't say to the public, oh, yeah, he's a lame duck coach. I'm going to fire him next year. I only kept him because of the buyout. Like, people were going crazy over that comment. Like, the buyout didn't have anything to do with it. Of course, it had a ton to do with Kiki. She's not going to say it to the public, though, that Oh, yeah, we only kept him because his buyout's like $16, $17 million. You're not going to say that to the public. It's terrible PR. And, and yes, uh, yeah, I get it. You want honesty from your top athletic director, your head coach. Yes, but that's negligent. You do not signal that. That literally implodes any chance he has of turning this thing around. And so there were, there was a, a few comments, you know, that – got really a lot of traction that I thought overblown. She's saying it because she has to say it. She has to save face. She can't just say the guy's a lame duck coach, even if we can all read into that. She can't just say it was because of the bio, even though we probably know that's what it was. And so what are you really actually looking at here? You can see a few comments, I think, that were interesting. One, I thought this was interesting. She's not going to step in and force staff changes. Interesting to me on that front. I think it's the right move, first of all. You know, people will obviously say, yes, they need staff changes. Of course they do. Ideally, I think that you could shake up the assistant coaches. Again, this has not been a good assistant support staff for Jeff Cable either. He's got limitations as a coach but he never brought in anyone that could supplement his weaknesses with their strengths. And so that's never been something he's done. And this clearly needs, there needs to be a shakeup on the staff, but the moment you start intervening in staff changes and take the power from over your head coach as an athletic director, you have been somewhat tyrannical 
and you have more importantly completely severed the autonomy of your head coach and you have really destroyed a bond or trust because between athletic director and coach you need to have some level of trust here some level of, of common ground and there has to be a meeting of said common ground where you give the coach autonomy over his staff over the players he's going to bring in over the style of basketball he's going to play he's going to have to come to the realization himself that this needs to be changed and and you know maybe if you're at a different school maybe if you're at alabama georgia florida somewhere like this where they're made of money ohio state where you actually have leverage and, and you know it doesn't matter if it's like 18 million in the buyout, I could fire you. If you don't make the changes, I can fire you. You are working for this place, you are getting a crazy salary, and we have leverage on you because we can pay your buyout. So if you want to keep coaching, here you go. But it's not that way. Heather Light doesn't have that type of influence. And again, Jeff Capel. If you are a athletic director, that's overstepping your boundaries. So what's the point? So I thought that was interesting now. It doesn't signal to me that there's going to be many changes, though. And I'll say that. And I find that very interesting. But again, and, and so I'll say this. Essentially, there's no pressure on Jeff Capel to make a change. The only pressure he has keeping his job, but he has this massive buyout that he can easily sit back on. You know, this is a whole reset for him. It's a new, fresh face unit. It's going to be, you know, they're going to keep maybe like five or six guys from the previous roster. I mean, it's not going to be plentiful in that regard. So there's no reason to make staff changes. And, you know, like I, I thought did a nice job of waning that kind of middle ground between overbearing and realistic. And so I think she's realistic that there is a lack of talent in the program. She said that. I think she's realistic that this isn't working as well as they thought it was. I will say the one thing I thought that was, you know, if you're going to make a defensive Jeff Cable, and I'll, I'll say this, I don't know if continuity is. So I don't think continuity is the case because you're not going to bring in much continuity. Yes, you have staff continuity, but the point of, of the continuity with, with someone like, say, Pat Narduzzi was not only did he have staff continuity, he had culture continuity. He had players that bought into said culture and were there for multiple years. This team's not going to have many of those guys. So you don't really have much continuity on a personnel level. So you're hurting there. So the continuity factor here for me, it doesn't make much sense, especially when you look at everything. If you're going to make an argument for Jeff Capel to come back and say, okay, I believe him, you say it's because he was right on the precipice just in 2020, 21. He had an NBA player in Justin Champagne, an all-ACC candidate player. He had a really dynamic backcourt. He had a good young freshman, John Hughley. He had a nice wing in Adi's Tony. He had multiple really good players. He was on the verge of breaking through that class ceiling then. That's your argument. He accumulated talent, 
and it looked like they were going to break through. And then there were things that happened behind him. He couldn't control and it was a stroke of bad luck. That's the argument. I'm not saying I agree with that argument, but that's the argument, not the continuity argument. The Narduzzi situation or the cable situation is very different. There's not continuity here. You're rebuilding and resetting this entire team year after year. So that's where I take a little umbrage to some of the comments. But I think that there's a realistic feeling here. The issue is it's the buyout. It's her bed. She kind of made it. So you have to live with it. It's a great mistake to make. But I didn't, you know, moving forward here, you know, you're not going to say he's a lame duck. But if he doesn't do something special and and get the rolls of the dice here in the portal, kind of is. And that's the unfortunate truth here. And that's some of the tone you could glean from this press conference overall. All right, folks, as always, thanks for listening here. We'll be back tomorrow talking a little bit, maybe some spring practice and everything. And we'll talk about there's a little bit of hype for Bengali, Kamara, and Solomon to shield. how real is it. We'll talk about that. And a little bit more, few field position changes. Yes, yes, we got position changes already in camp as well. So we'll talk about some of this stuff. All right, folks, as always, thanks for listening. And as always, hail to Pitt.